Hey fellow true crime lovers, my name is Patrick and I am the host of Not Adding Up. Not Adding Up is a podcast that features cases, as the name implies, don't add it up. This can be disappearances, strange deaths, wrongful convictions, unsolved crimes, and other unexplained phenomena. Each week I walk a friend or family member through a case in which they are unfamiliar. I do this to allow them to ask questions I may not have thought of while researching, or that you may have as you listen. The cases I cover range from ones that are well-known to some you may not have heard before. Since the cases I cover don't add up, I always encourage my listeners to form their own theories on what they believe happened, and never present my opinion as fact. Frequently my co-host has a very different theory than my own, which proves the cases I cover are ones that just don't make sense and need to be discussed further. So if you are a true crime lover and find yourself constantly forming your own theories when listening to podcasts, Not Adding Up is perfect for you. Tune in each Friday for new episodes, available on all major streaming platforms. Crime Scenes and Cupcakes is a true crime investigative podcast. We discuss cases regarding the assault, murder, sexual assault, or cases involving the abuse or abduction of adults or children. These topics can be very disturbing and a trigger to many individuals, so please listen accordingly. If you or someone you know is struggling or in crisis, help is available. You can text, call, or chat 988. This is available 24-7. It is also available in multiple languages for anyone who needs mental health related or suicide crisis support. It can connect you with trained crisis counselors. Also, if you are in Wichita, there is a local crisis center. Call 316-660-7500. Patrick and I recorded this debate of the Krista Martin case shortly after her birthday, and I sat on it for a while, unsure of whether or not I would actually put this podcast out because I was very ramped up and emotional when we recorded it, as you will hear. And I don't, I I did say some things and we exchanged some conversations and I know I talked over Patrick several times and I want to apologize to Patrick and I want to apologize to you guys the listeners for that this is one of those moments of where you wonder if the investigator should be working on the case of a loved one because it is so close to them and they take it so personally and I I obviously did and I just want to apologize if I offend anyone in this podcast, if I get a little heated in this podcast, but there are some things that, as I tell Patrick at the end, this podcast was very cathartic for me. And also there are some things in this podcast that I had been holding on to that I had not officially ever shared with listeners. But these are things that I think are important to discuss. And as Patrick says, they are important to discuss so we can get information out there about Krista's case. Another thing is, as we discuss quite a bit of all of the people 
who have came forward. There is an amazing person on Reddit who gives me a lot of direction at looking at these unsolved cases. And I just really wish this person would keep coming because they are giving me wonderful direction. Um, this podcast was put out before I had really talked a lot with this person. So I want to say thank you and I will keep taking your information to heart and keep going. There are also some amazing people on Uncovered who are really helping me out and giving me some direction on this case. Also, as I've discussed before, Katrina Marshall has been absolutely incredible in helping me. She has actually filed her own FOIAs as well in trying to get information on Krista Martin's case. She still has been unsuccessful as well. But there are multiple people who have been trying to get information on this case. So I promise you, we are all trying to get information on this case. We have not received it, but we are still trying every day. We want to get justice for Krista. We want to get that information out there so that we can educate as many people as possible who might have information on Krista's case and they just don't have the confidence to come forward with what they know. And I hope this podcast and further subsequent podcasts will give you the confidence to come forward to the Wichita Police Department and let them know what you've been sitting on. Because Krista was an amazing human being. She was kind and her sister was correct. She was very generous. But she was a loving human being who made a huge impact on many lives. And mine was one of them. And I would love answers as to what's going on and what happened with Krista on that night on October 1st of 1989. So I thank all of you who are trying to come forward and help us with answers and sharing her case to find out who killed Krista Martin. Hey guys, it's Marianne, dog mom, baker, true crime podcast maker, and I am here with one of my favorite podcasters, Patrick from Not Adding Up. And when Spotify said that they were adding a video component, I thought, well, we got to get on this train. Decided to do something special for you guys because we're going to be talking about a very special person, my dear friend, Chris Martin. But I'm going to let Patrick talk for a little bit now. Hi, guys. I'm so excited to be back and very honored. I was honored last time because Mary Ann was asked to look into a case by the Garden City Police Department. And I'm even more honored this time that she asked me to be on this episode that is so near and dear to her heart. I know that she has spent many years wondering about this case. So if any resolution could come from her content, that would be wonderful. And I am happy to help in any way I can. Yeah, it's been great. Um, we have tried for a really long time to get local media to pay attention to this case. And incredibly, we actually got KWCH to do a small piece on Krista Martin's murder here recently on Monday, which was her birthday. And it was just so cool that they were willing to do that. And they actually came to her gravesite. And since then, the outpouring from you guys, citizen detectives in the community has been amazing. 
I have had so many people messaging me after listening to the podcast, after listening to that news program with ideas, thoughts, and different things. And they all agree, this case just doesn't add up. And they've come up with so many different angles to look at this case. And I want you guys to keep it coming because you guys are looking at this case in so many different ways. And that's why I wanted Patrick to come on it with me as well, because he's able to look at this case in a whole new light. Yeah, coming from it with like really no background and like no connections to it, it like obviously makes no sense to me. And all of your frustrations over the years are like pretty, pretty clear. I understand. I wanted to just kind of briefly go over the case again for people who aren't aware of it. And Patrick, please interject with any questions you might have. Okay. And before Krista's death, authorities were called to Krista's apartment regarding a fight. And I mean a fight. Now, this is according to Krista's neighbor, Beverly Orth. She had heard some yelling and screaming. It was literally talked about before how people think Krista lived in an apartment. It's actually a house and it's a multi-dwelling house. And Beverly lived across the street. So this had to be pretty loud. And Beverly added, it was about three to four o'clock in the morning. And she looks at her window and it faces Krista's home. And she sees that there are two men outside her area and they're talking to each other. One man is quite tall and the other man is a little bit shorter. And the shorter man asked the taller man, why did you have to hit her? Where the other man then responded, because she's a woman and she deserved it. Now the Wichita Eagle made sure that they put this in the article. And one of my frustrating points is there's no follow-up on this. There's no follow-up. And from the journalist who wrote the article as to whether the police did anything. Now, Mike McKenna does say he, he talks about it, but he doesn't say whether or not this has any bearing on the case. They talk about it, but they don't go anywhere with it. So whose fault is that? Is that the journalist or the police department for not really informing the community if these guys are somebody we should be aware of? And so like a police report is on file for the incident or is it just mainly the media source? That's an amazing question. This is a media source. I have been trying to get access to police files, which a lot of people ask me about. And I have submitted so many FOIAs. I have submitted so many requests and I get emails back saying, we will submit something to you within 30 days. We will submit something to you within three months. I have never gotten a damn thing. And we're talking years. If they're going to comment on it, if they're going to comment on it, what, like how are they not going to show their source? Like if they're going to comment on it and just like pull it from the media, like that's the only thing we have access to that we're going to assume that you did nothing about it. And the only reason we know about it is because the media looked into it more than you did. Is my problem. This is, and so and many people- It's not people, like releasing it is going to cause like these like waves in the community. It's not like it's going to cause like mass panic or anything. Like this is, like this is a good while back. And clearly that like there should be more people who are worried about this case, but it's not, right. I, there's not like, there's not a very big reason for them to want to keep that specific. 
Right. If if you talk about when this article was written, this article was written right after the murder. Okay. If there are two men that they should have been on the look for, the community should have known. Um, But there was nothing. This article, after this was written, it was crickets. There was nothing again until 2009. But we're going to go back and we're going to retrace the rest of Krista's steps. Friends, they say the last time they saw her was at a bar named Toto's. And it was on Saturday night, September 30th. Now, however, a news article says the last time she was seen alive was Sunday afternoon. But you know how on podcasts we always say, oh, so-and-so, the last time they were seen was buying groceries or with a friend. It just says the last time she was seen was Sunday afternoon. Not who she was with, what she was doing. What comes to mind for me is like looking into cases, especially if they're 30 plus years old, that like you're going to find one article that says this is the last sighting and another that says this. And then those are the only two articles on the case. So it's like, which one are we going with here? Yeah. Yeah. Well, my thing is, is okay, if you either one, the bar at least gives me a person, place or thing. But then the other article says, well, the last time she was seen was Sunday afternoon. Was she with family? Was she, where was she? Where was she last seen at? Could that be a, contra- are we is not being told because have... the police think this is part of the case? And the bar, like even, neither one, neither one of these last sightings are very concrete. And we can have, like, it's not like just because it's in the 80s, we can't have concrete sightings. Like there are plenty of concrete sightings that come from the 80s. If you're in a public place, there should be people who remember seeing you and there should be like there should be more details than last seen here like was she like belligerently drunk was she with a group of people did she leave with somebody what is going like obviously maybe you won't know all those things but one of those things i feel like we would be able to right exactly exactly we should know one kernel in almost every case and i have yet to run into a case where I haven't found one kernel. And I mean, let's, if I go to the Mary Krupper case from 1979, I am able to find more information on that case than I am from Krista Martin's case in 1989. All of the cases I just covered were from the span of 1980 to 1985. Granted, some of them were just a Wikipedia page and like a Charlie Project page, but like still more of a story, still more details, the sightings, and most importantly, identified suspects. Identified suspects. Yeah, this is giving us We have these shadow men, and we even have descriptions of these shadow men, but they're, they're unidentified. We, 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 we don't have anything. And it, it, it just, we just don't know. We don't know if the police ever can, cons- we don't know anything because the police aren't willing to share It's been anything. so long, like at least come out, like, cause you can come out and say, we have not cleared him or like, like he's still a POI. He's still in, like, yeah. we're still looking into him. But saying nothing is 
very like that just leads everybody to believe that there is nothing there yeah that you do anything it's so frustrating because yeah i have people messaging me and so many of the messages are well what information do we have on the case you guys have everything i have now does that mean i'm stopping nope as I've told Patrick, basically, I have gotten to the point of just asking them, look, blink once for yes and twice for no. That's all you have to do. Give me something like or not even ago. evidence, just an answer. Mm-hmm. A breadcrumb Yeah. I, we're going to talk about breadcrumbs because I actually bring that up. Good point. As we said, the last time that she's seen kind of goes back and forth, but we do know. One thing that we do know, and it's absolutely not helpful, (laughs) is that on Monday morning at 1 a.m., a friend comes to the house because they'd been trying to reach her, and they were concerned. Now, I don't have a lot of friends that are going to show up at my house at 1 a.m. on a Monday if they're worried about Yeah, it's kind of odd. To me, it's an odd time. And also... There's something to prompt it. And how do we... How do we know, like, who... How do we know that happened? Yeah. Like, if we don't even know who the friend was, who's reporting that? A neighbor? Well, so the friend called 911. Is who reported it to the police. So the friend finds... The friend says the door is unlocked. They go into her home and they find her on the couch, fully clothed, laying face down on the couch. And that that that's about all you get from the news report. We don't know if they tried to resuscitate her, if they tried, you, you don't know. You don't know how far away. So this is where things go off the rails again, because the first news report says she was not sexually assaulted. It says that there is no burglary. It says that there was no signs of a struggle, that she was, um, she died by severe bludgeoning to the back of the head. And that, so that, that was the autopsy. But then there is a 2009 Crime Stoppers that is done. And it says she was sexually assaulted, but it does reiterate there was no struggle and that um, she uh, died from the blows to the back of the head and that there was no sign of a struggle and that they think she might have known the person. And they possibly even let them in. Yeah. Yeah. And. So quick question. So the, the 911 call, the friend, that's a female, correct? No, we don't know. We don't, you, we don't know. We don't yeah. know about that 911. And let me tell you, I've been trying to find it. So we don't even have a gender or, of the person who called 911. Well, they're saying it was a male friend. Okay. So that's this what... friend who went, they're saying he called. And then what's really interesting is during the interview with Mike McKenna, the officer on scene, he says, well, I don't know why the friend was there to check up on her, but he's not a suspect. I say at least a person of interest. <laughs> you don't have to say suspect. Interest is the word you can use too, because he's very interesting in my book. 
Yeah. What, and my thing is, is if she was sexually assaulted, but he's saying he found her fully clothed on the couch. How does... And why would that only be said something like decades later at that point? Like yeah. what, what led them to be able to feel comfortable reporting that? Right. And so then my thing is, is, okay, so was she assaulted and then she redressed herself and then she was just like, okay, man, you just, you got to go. Um, this was somebody she knew. She's just like, get the hell out of my house now. And then a, a, he just was like, oh, freaked out. And then he did it. And that was the end. Or, you know, what what transpired in that? Because I, I really don't think somebody would dress their victim after it. Um, but but if, it, just... if it was something like that, if it was like a friend situation that did escalate to, like if they had done that, I, you would assume that it would be some sort of a struggle. It's and right. if, if it was the back of the head, it seems like somebody just came over and was like, just did it immediately. Well, but and here's my the thing that makes it like well, that doesn't seem like that happens, or we don't have any like very crystal information about that. So, well, and here's my other point to that: if it was a friend situation, and if it did occur that way, and it did escalate that way. It's not premeditated. So that means the person probably didn't bring gloves. That means that surely they were able to lift some fingerprints in that house. Mm -hmm. so oh, yeah. Are you telling me they don't have suspects? They do have suspects. And do they have DNA? Have they tried? When was the last time they tried to do a comparative analysis of the DNA? Is it just that they don't have much DNA? Is it they don't have any? That's another question I have not been able to get answered. And this object is unidentified, right? We the don't. The object know. was not at the scene of the crime. Okay. So they they have been unable to locate the object that was used. So I mean, there is a possibility that there is very very little DNA that was left there, but the whole question of sexual assault makes it like it there should there definitely should be some dna at that point you, you would think you would definitely think and whether or not there is or there isn't i think it's worth just answering that question rather than leaving that out there for us to wonder and to assume i i think it's a community wrong for the police department to just not answer and just do a brief overview of this case and say, look, this is what we have on this cold case. And this is why this case is so challenging to us. We have not forgotten this victim. She still matters to our department, but it's so friggin' hard because this is all we got. And then maybe somebody somewhere, because you want the perpetrator to still be looking over their shoulder. You want them to know that law enforcement hasn't given up. But right now, I'm sure they feel like, ah, eh, police doesn't care anymore. Why should I? I get to go about living my life. So. And the, if there was even in that initial article about the people visiting, if even those people 
were identified because at that point it was before so like they wouldn't they could be they could be distanced from it and still identified but the fact that literally nobody has been identified and it has been so long it feels like it is like their duty at this point to at least update us or like explain why they like why the story changed in that period right. of time what information do you have that made that story change maybe you don't give us the name because you haven't given us the name yet but like what happened what developments like what's going on right just and that's the thing is just provide some developments in the case and that's one of the frustrating things is that i don't think our local law enforcement understands and i definitely i definitely believe that and and not we have some amazing outlying law enforcement agencies the Cedric County Sheriff's Department um, the Garden City Police Department, um, some of them are amazing in putting the information out and saying, you know what, we're not going to stop. But our local law enforcement, it is like we're surrounding the wagons and we won't share anything about our cases. Mm-hmm. We will share that we're doing Meals on Wheels. We will share that we're doing this. And they don't understand why right now in the Wichita community, there is such a problem with the local community and the Wichita Police Department. And there is. There is a huge distrust. There are huge problems. They are That's having a widespread issue, like problem. definitely across the entire country. And like I feel like there are police departments who have come out and tried to go above and beyond to like fight against that stigma. And when they do, I feel like that is seen you know what i mean like this yeah. is a time where the com- a lot of communities have a very rocky relationship with the police departments and like rightfully so when we look at policing in the last few decades there's a lot of things that provide like these communities to have this distrust so i think that it needs to be worked on on both sides but th- definitely police departments have some work to do to show that they're working with the communities, not against them. Exactly. I think they just need, and, and I think a great start is by, you know, when families, because I have families come to me and they're just like, you know, I my family has had this case and police aren't getting back with us. Nobody's saying anything. Can you and hell yeah, I'll take this case and I'll shout it from the rooftops until somebody listens. And that's all they're asking for is for the local police department to give them some sort of updates to let them know what's happening. And it, it's just incredibly frustrating. Really, the total responsibility I don't see falling only on the police department. I'm starting to realize that part of the problem is also with journalism, is when media starts pushing the narrative to just certain cases. And that happens a lot. Yeah. And and so yeah, I've been heaping so much blame on the police department that it was like, well, hold up. If I'm not able to get the attention out there, but you know you have these local news channels who are only putting the narrative on certain cases 
And then I see, you know, Wichita Eagle, when they did such a sorry, piss poor job with Krista's case when it first came out, you know, they should own some of this problem as well. That's and then, yeah, I mean, we can talk about the 2009 Crime Stoppers as well, and just some of the issues that were there with that one. Bring up that a lot of people have reached out to my podcast with questions. And one person brought up a question I had not thought about. Um, this person goes by the initials MDP. And I, I that's, that's how they messaged me. And I want to give them credit. But they brought up an interesting question. And their question was, within the span of time before Krista was murdered, she had recently had started a job at Steady Blueprint. And then she had lost that job and she had just recently moved into that home. So she had a lot of life changes within a very short period of time. Now, could all of those life changes possibly had something to do with what happened? Um, could something within that, some contact within the job, some contact within where she recently moved from, you know, those kind of things, could that possibly have had something to do with it? And I thought that was a really interesting question because, you know, I, I hadn't really thought about that, um, about the fact that, yeah, she had started at City Blueprint. They did, the, the news uh, paper did go to her previous boss and asked her about it and Matt asked him about it and he said yeah she was a quiet employee um but she hadn't worked there for very long and so I thought you know that is interesting she did go through quite a bit of changes in a very short period of time so I thought that, that was an interesting that kind of gives us something to like I don't know maybe try to identify those men like what employees like right would they match the description of these men that were seen the weekend before definitely thought that was um very interesting on that also would make it seem like the perpetrator would have to be somebody very very crazy <laughs> like if they're just going to meet her in that short period of time and then like escalate to murdering her within that like you would think that there would be some more women in the area who had similar outcomes because that doesn't seem like somebody like that would stop if they can just be driven like meeting a coworker, and within I don't know how long it was but within weeks or a month or so like getting to that point I feel like that is a very scary individual yeah set of individuals oh yeah definitely and um I want us to we we talked a little bit earlier before we came on but um we talked about the the um crime stoppers um, there is a, there was a Crime Stoppers video out there for a while that we had um, been able to watch. Um, it was aired in 2009. It's no longer out there, but uh, Patrick and I both had the chance to watch it. And that's where we had received some of our information about the fact that she had gone to Toto's. Um, was shared on that video. Um, the the 
Crime Stoppers was done by a campus alumni, Jared Sorello, and he was trying to bring awareness to the case. And um, it was an interesting video. And, <laughs> and one of the things that um, it had brought up was that, you know, she had been at Toto's and that she had been there with friends. And we, one of our questions was, you know, you had brought it up as. Who, who though? Like yeah. what friends? Who? What, like, and like how intoxicated was she? Like, who did she leave with? Did these friends leave with her? Like, if we are feel, if we're comfortable enough to report that, I, but I, uh, if, the, if that's all they know, like. But still, like, at least identify the friends, at least bare minimum. If you can say she was with friends, like we can track those friends down and try to, like, get more information from them about that evening, which I'm sure they would have. The other thing was, I mean, a lot of people have asked about Krista's family and her family did appear in the 2009 Crime Stoppers video, but they did request that they not appear in the video. So appear they were. Huh? A kind, I said appear is a kind word, yeah. Yeah, appear is a kind word. Um, they are in the video, but they are shrouded in darkness. Um, Krista's mom does talk about how difficult it was to um, see two daughters out to dinner at times, and it would just put her through a roller coaster of emotions. And we thought it was really interesting of Krista's sister talking about Krista's generosity and how she thought maybe Krista's generosity had led to what happened to her. So I thought that was really interesting. It's just not, it doesn't seem like in good taste to try to make a somewhat positive trait, typically positive trait into something that would cause somebody to have something very awful happen to them. And it's just odd to like, if you're only going to have a minute to speak on a family member, like that, it just kind of seemed like there was a tad bit of blame being placed onto Krista for what happened I, to her. I hadn't thought about that. That that's that that could if be you only have, to me. If a you only while. have a minute to talk, why are we going to talk about why she could have caused this to happen to her? Why aren't we just going to talk about how of amazing person she was? that's a really good point because yeah when sean had asked me about krista the first thing that popped into my head was oh my god nightmare on elm street i mean that was i thought it was the coolest moment when she took me to see nightmare on elm street i mean my first thought wouldn't have been you know it was those a happy memory of- that you shared yeah. with her because you loved her yes yeah so Which is that's a, a really response. good point that's the biggest reason why i took issue with it because i'm just like oh I don't know, like, because I mean, is it true what she said? Absolutely, I could absolutely have truth to it, but it just seems like the timing of it was interesting when there is literally no statements from them publicly from that from this gap in between that. So, yeah, yeah, and and I also found it interesting um, that in that video had exhibited her as a partier and. I, I, that was, I mean, yes, she liked to go out with friends. She liked to do that. Um, but that really wasn't Krista. And I just wanted to make a brief point um, as well. Um, Krista went to campus high school and a lot of the alumni are on my Facebook page. 
and my personal Facebook page. And I, I try not to post a lot of stuff on there, but I do talk about Krista. And I will tell you, not one, not a single one has ever commented on the murder of Krista Mark. Not a single one has ever shared any information about the murder of Krista Martin. When Jared Sorello was looking for information about Krista as a person, not a single one seemed to recall her, seemed to know who she was, or shared any type of information about her. And that's why I push so freaking hard. I have to, she was my flipping neighbor. Her sister and I were in the same grade, and her sister was one of the most popular people at campus. I definitely was not. And like yeah. even more reason, like taking it back to the beginning where they're not releasing these police reports that we don't know if it, they exist or not. It's a very sad fact what you just said, but like clearly the community is not up in arms about this crime. So like even if you do release this, it's not like you are going to be put on blast by the majority of the community. Like are you going to? Yes, rightfully so. But it's not like the situation where they have to worry about their entire reputation being ruined by this one case. It's like, just help help Marianne, who's literally trying so hard to get this, like, to get any answers. Like, if you have anything, just share it with her. If you don't have anything, make that clear. This is what I wanted to get from this. And this is my plea. And this is my plea from family. And I really want to put that out there from family, from friends, my Facebook friends, from anybody. If you have information, if you know anything, and not just this, from anybody who listens to this podcast, from anybody who listens to Patrick's podcast, which is incredible, share Krista's case. And you have to share it more than once because it gets lost. But nobody else is on her side. Nobody else locally gives a flipping fart about what is going on with her case. And so we have got to. We have got to be there for all of the cases that nobody else gives a crap about. And I'm asking you guys to help us out and get that information out there. So, Absolutely. Patrick, where can they find you? They can find me on all streaming platforms if you just look up Not Adding Up. You can also get on Instagram, podcast, NAU, and then I have TikTok. You can just look up not adding up. And you can also find me on uh, Facebook, but I'm not on there very much. I just want to add, though, to what you said. Cold cases can get solved. We do just have to keep talking about them. In my latest episode, there were multiple cases that had developments come forward literally 30 plus years after families were reunited, cases were solved. So... Things happen. Communities just have to work together with police and we need to work as one whole team. So yes, try to come forward with anything that you can to help Mary Ann because it really does go a long way in these sorts of cases. I want to share with you guys for just a moment a case that recently was solved after 42 years and it made a huge impact on me for so many reasons. It was solved here in Great Bend, Kansas. And it was a case of Mary Robin Walter. Now, she went by Robin. And I have a podcast 
here in our archives about this case. And I actually recorded it from my hospital room because when this case was solved, there were so many things about it. And especially the sheriff, when they were patting themselves on the back, it just truly just ground my gears. So check out that podcast. But she was 23 years old when she died. She was shot and killed in her home in Great Bend, Kansas. But when COVID hit, a detective who had to be off decided to take her case and give it another look. And that's when it came to light that some information had initially been overlooked and some other detectives had added some information. Now, everybody had been looking at Stephen L. Hanks. Now, at this time now, Stephen Hanks is 68 years old. It's 42 years later and they're still, and this is what kind of pissed me off is Sheriff Bellander said that this case has always irritated the department could have chosen some better words but hey at least they're still thinking about it and this detective who they didn't state his name in anywhere I could see but hell this guy is a hero to me 42 years later he finds evidence that they hadn't initially it'd been overlooked let's just say it and Stephen Hanks is finally arrested for the murder of Mary Robin Walter from Great Bend, Kansas. And the thing that really got me about this case is it's a 42-year-old unsolved case. And this is why I push so hard on these cases, not just for the victim, but in the meantime, Stephen L. Hanks, he was a bad man. He had assaulted numerous women a co-worker. He'd broken into houses and he'd done a lot of bad stuff. You can take a look at his rap sheet. He was a bad man. And this is why I push so hard on all of these cases. Because you don't know when somebody commits this crime, what else they are going on to do. Whoever has attacked Krista you don't know who else he might have hurt. We've made that point. Yeah, it's it seems yeah. pretty clear that this individual is a scary individual. Yeah, and I mean, Patrick brought up that point. These people, I mean, it's very rarely somebody goes to this degree and like, okay, that's it. That's my one crime. This is the purge. I'm done. All right. <laughs> you know, these people are and can be very dangerous people. And so if you're holding on to something, who and why are you protecting them? Would they do that for you? You need to come forward because you're gonna be taking this and you need to come forward. So thanks for listening. And um, thanks for being here with us in the flesh. Yes, thank you so much for having me back. I am so glad to be able to cover this with you because like you said, there's really not much to cover myself. So doing it with you and having your input is definitely very, very nice. It was very cathartic for me. So thank you very much. And I'm glad. 
I look forward to us working again in the future. I'm sure it'll happen. <laughs> of course. All right. Take care. Take care, Marianne. I want to thank Patrick for not adding up for joining us on this podcast. It is always such an amazing opportunity to record with him. He helps me become centered. He helps me look at these cases in a way I never have before. That's why his podcasts are always so incredible, as well as his TikToks. If you haven't checked them out, I really encourage you to do that. I know a lot of people look at TikToks as, you know, the tea talk or the gossip talk, but it can also be an amazing place to look at for cold cases. And that is a huge reason I am on it. It's a great place to go to to get information out on cold cases. Also, we do a thing, me and my puppers, we do a thing of the forensic criminologist tip of the day, week, month, or just whatever. So if you haven't seen those before, you can go to TikTok and check those out. I really want to thank all of you who have been listening to these podcasts because they're helping us get the word out. If you get a chance, go to Uncovered.com because that's where you can really find information on these unsolved cases, cold cases, whatever you want to call them. And if you can, you can contribute and hopefully we can get some more information on these cases and hopefully come together as a community and let's put something in the solved column. Thanks a lot, guys.